Hello, and welcome to the Just Automated podcast. My name is Callum Donnelly. I am the host of the Just Automated podcast, a podcast brought to you by Whaley. And today we have the pleasure of again speaking to Arabinda Bose, our CTO for North America. So Arabinda, welcome to the podcast again. Very, very much appreciate you taking the time. And uh, I hope you had a good Labor Day weekend in the US. How's everything in Austin? Good, thank you, Callum. Um, yes, we had a Labor Day weekend. Uh, it was good. Um, had a lot of gathering with friends. Uh, Austin has been very hot since last couple of months. The temperatures were in hundreds and now it started raining. It's kind of cooled down. It's very, very comfortable. So people are out and we're having fun. Was- Excellent. So, so, so the weather is now manageable on a daily basis as opposed to an extremely hot. Yes, indeed. Yeah, maybe maybe the the eight your HVAC isn't isn't turn on all the time now. Try to keep the place cool. So good for saving money in the long run too. Hopefully, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I mean, I guess with that whole type of thing, I mean, I think it's kind of relevant to kind of the, you know, how hot it is in Austin and you know the the cost of running like HVAC and things like that. And then we also have this issue in the world at the moment with this growing energy crisis. I know. Certainly in Europe, with the whole Russia-Ukrainian conflict, things have got pretty expensive, and there's, there's price inflation constantly. So I guess it's a it's an interesting side uh, of, uh, of where we are at the moment in terms of where the world is, and it's similar to your your recent blog series. So for anyone who's listening, who's um, who's been reading our blogs, Aravinda has been kind of doing his own little kind of blog series on hyper-aware smart buildings and. Uh, what this one is really about is healthy green buildings and indoor air quality and the the importance of that i know that we we touched upon this last time but we're kind of going to look at it once again and i think within the article itself you also reference it's associated as the the cost of the maintaining also the the level of you know air quality in a building can be very very expensive and also the whole cost of the whole hvac and i guess that ties into current energy crisis at the moment. One thing I kind of got from it is that indoor air quality has really has come to the forefront with COVID, <clears throat> really pushing that to people's agendas. Companies, governments, uh, people want air quality to be at the best because, as you say in the article, people get sick, they get headaches, nausea, and even you, you do reference that the air quality can also cause you know cancers in the people, certainly you know, within, within urban environments and you you list out quite a few. It's a it, it's quite it's very very interesting how many um, you know different things are involved in gauging the the air quality in a, in, in a building. To name a few, there's CO two, there's CO, which is an odorless, colorless, lethal gas. We have VOC, the volatile organic compounds, chemicals, PM two point five, particulate matter, and then we have radon. <laughs> there's so much there that that I didn't actually consider. So. Maybe if you want to quickly bring us through a little bit of yeah, what sure. writing about and why it's important. Yeah, first, I would say that I don't know if everybody recognizes that, that people generally spend almost 90% of their time indoors. And, and so indoor air quality is very important, not only just to reduce all these different types of chemicals that I talk about in the blog, but also it impacts the health, actually directly impacts your cognitive performance. And while writing this blog, I was doing some research in the background and 
um, there is a professor. He's actually the director. His name is Joseph Allen. He's the director of Healthy Building Program in Harvard University's Chan School of Public Health. And he and others did a research and they published a paper on that. And what he found is that the indoor air quality has a direct impact with cognitive performance. And they did a, a, a research study by getting some participants, like they, they got 24 participants uh, to take some indoor air quality test in a simulated environment. And so Harvard worked with Syracuse University in New York and in their lab, they have these people and they simulated conditions. And it was a double-blinded test where the people who are being experimented and the analyst who will analyze the results, they don't know the test conditions that are being underneath changed. And what they found is that this kind of air quality, which is CO2, let's say CO2 in a green building versus a conventional building, matters uh, the indoor air that you bring in the fresh air that you bring in that matters and it increases your cognitive performance the score uh, so in a, a green building which is reduce co2 to the level that lead or us green building council suggests and the the performance is higher and as you add more fresh air and reduce these chemicals your performance score goes up uh, in especially certain functions such as uh, like strategic decision making how do you make decisions in crisis time you know things that you can think on your feet and make decisions those kind of performance scores went up for these uh, participants so overall indoor air quality is not just for you know cancer causing or asthma type of environment but it also improves your cognitive score and cognitive performance that means your productivity as well and in terms of companies how are building owners how are companies essentially addressing this problem currently what's currently been done and what can be done in the future exactly so so this whole thing started you know long back because in 1970s the energy prices went up so all the building codes were restricted and so that the buildings have to be built airtight so that the energy, it, they're more energy efficient. And then as the buildings become more energy efficient, but restrictive, then the indoor air quality got worse. And by 2000, even stricter building codes came in. So the buildings got even more energy efficient, but the penalty was the indoor air quality. So okay. now the conventional buildings have very highly efficient uh, buildings, airtight buildings, but the indoor air quality is suffering so much that without IoT sensors, it's going to be very hard to uh, get these buildings again to be compliant with the green building standards that come from LEED. Uh, okay. So conventional buildings have older equipment, older BMS systems, but they are being retrofitted with IoT sensors. It's possible to retrofit them with indoor air quality sensors, occupancy sensors, um, CO2 sensors, and, and VOC sensors, and things like that. And that's what everybody is doing now in the smart building uh, space. Uh, but the newer green buildings are taking a one notch higher, where they are able to build and get natively all the sensors already, and the automation systems that are being put 
together with these sensors are going to take care of the indoor air quality plus energy efficiency from day one. Yeah. Well, it's really a double-edged sword. I mean, what you said about the, <clears throat> the 1970s is the, the push for efficiency and then the decline in the actual quality of the air that the employees or the, the people who live in these buildings are essentially living in. So there's a real discrepancy there between, between the two. But it's, that's really, really interesting. So I suppose that the, the, the newer kind of smart green buildings are really, really pushing you know, that they're managing to balance both efficiency and their indoor air quality. So they're, they're hitting their ESG targets. But what you're saying is that there's also that the, those older buildings from the 1970s, they are actually going through this retrofitting process as well to essentially have the best of both worlds, clean air and energy efficiency, which is super, super important in this day and age where, as I said at the start of the podcast, where efficiency and you know, green is and the moving from the fossil fuels is just so, so, so important. So moving on, Aravinda, back to your blog, you give an example of a of a use case. And, you know, for people who will read the blog, they can see it. But I mean, would it be possible for, for the listeners to potentially for, for you to explain what's going on and in your use case and how, you know, automation can essentially help in this process? of the balancing the two. Uh, absolutely. So in my blog, I took a simple example of a office building. I called it Wele Austin office building, where there are going to be uh, different areas. Because when you take a building, you kind of dissect the building into you know a, a group of buildings. For each building, how many floors you have for each floor what kind of spaces you have. For example, you may have a main entry lobby. You may have break rooms uh, in your office. You may have an office space. So I kind of broke them down uh, and also uh, assigned some square footage. Say, for example, in my uh, example, I had a lobby at 2,000 square foot, a break room, 1,000 square foot, and an office space around 3,000 square foot. Now, how do you actually provide the airflow into these buildings, right? So uh, for that, uh, ANSI and ASHRAE, ASHRAE, which is the association you know, for uh, heating, air conditioning, refrigeration control uh, engineers. So, so they define, the leads actually define the framework uh, and then ASHRAE provides the design guidelines for um, heating and cooling, air conditioning, uh, for uh, designing buildings. So we have to stay, uh, when we automate uh, office building, we have to stay within the ASHRAE's guidelines. So ASHRAE has guidelines for, you know, uh, what is the kind of a default occupancy density for specific space, like a break area, a break room versus a lobby versus an office uh, room and, and things like that. Um, and I took that uh, as my guidelines for the automation system uh, and then uh, the formula is very simple. Uh, it's actually uh, like for a outdoor airflow, like fresh air that you bring in uh, in a ventilation zone should be equal to, let's say you have a zone area, um, like a zone floor area, uh, times uh, how much of airflow you require per square foot for that zone. Plus you take um, what's your occupancy density and how many people are in that area uh, times the number of people uh, that currently are in that area. So, so this is a 
pretty simple formula that you can take and apply for your automation. Say, for example, you have a break room and you have um, an event happening around the lunchtime, right? So number of people will go up uh, in the break room. And so at that time, you will do a recalculation because you see that the occupant sensor is sending now number of people have gone up significantly. So you do a calculation based on number of people in that area times how much of airflow per person plus zone uh, area times uh, airflow per zone. And then you'll say, okay, uh, now I need uh, 400 CFM, you know, uh, cubic flow meter uh, air into my zone. And you will increase that. You will, uh, so our system will send a command to the VAV controller, uh, like a variable air volume controller uh, uh, or air handling unit. Uh, system such that it will open the valve uh, and get some more fresh air. Uh, it sounds quite simple, but actually this calculation can get more and more complex as you add other parameters. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's say, you know, uh, okay, occupancy density is there, uh, but how about the CO2? How about the humidity in the room, right? So you have to compensate for the humidity. Uh, and you cannot bring a lot of uh, air from outside always because it also increases your energy cost. So sometimes you may have to even balance based on the priority you want to give in specific room, specific area, specific building, uh, and, and then apply your formula uh, and then give the uh, actuation command to a system which can open up air for it. Uh, so, so, so that's the calculation uh, I show in the blog. Yeah, I mean, it sounds, um, with all of these things, when you, you talk about it, I mean, you say it sounds simple enough, but also there's also a level of complexity in there because you, you mentioned all of the other mitigating factors that, that can essentially, you know, scupper that simple model. And I guess that that's also down to, you know, potentially there's different systems and different information which is siloed and not communicating with each other. And we've spoke about this previously is that you need to have that orchestration. And I guess I'm going a little bit off topic here, but every single room is essentially, or every single building is a different type, type of ecosystem. And there'll be different type of facility managers, building owners, um, people who are basically managing, like let's say the, the technical aspects of the building. That I think from what I'm understanding here that there's, there is a formula, but also every building is different. So you also need to tweak. And I guess that's something that this, we spoke about it previously about the, the self-service dimension of these type of systems that you always will need to tweak. And I mean that an engine or like Waylay does rules, engines, data orchestrations, threshold crossing, condition monitoring, all that type of thing. But to have that to subject matter domain expert or facility manager who can essentially tweak things on the go is also going to be pretty, pretty important in such a dynamic environment, such as indoor air quality, based upon if the density goes up, if the room fills up with loads and loads of people, CO2 levels change, but then you can't exactly open up the actuator because of, let's say, um, it's gonna, you can't bring in too much clean air because you, so you mentioned that it has an energy cost then. So there's a balancing act once again. So the main thing here, uh, the first part that you mentioned about how do you automate this whole thing when there are so many different types of buildings uh, and each building may have different rooms. So how do you actually scale that across when you do the automation? And that's where a very robust automation platform comes into picture. Um, so Wele uh, is a horizontal platform. 
basically it's and it it has a very scalable rules engine uh, and it's very resilient uh, the flexibility comes when you have different buildings and each building's break room uh, configurations may be a little bit different from the other building uh, so how do you scale across that and also not only that you may have many sensors and sensors are getting added into the building uh, every day uh, so you may have thousands of sensors in a building and they are changing continuously so you don't have to do all these work manually because that can take a significant amount of time uh, so the system should be able to detect which sensors got added into which room uh, and update the digital twin uh, dynamically so that way the platform has a digital twin of a building so which keeps the relationship between a group of building and each building uh, its floors each floor every type of room so all these relationships are kept and also the sensors that are attached to each of these rooms and and not only sensors but sensor where is its location um, and what is it controlled by so that you can send an actuator command to the right actuator to open the valve otherwise it will open a valve but in the wrong place right so all that thing have to be taken care of uh, in a very scalable way and and that's where uh, the automation platform sign shines where all these things are taken care through api calls dynamically or um, other system injecting data in a format such as you know um, brick schema or haystack or, or some kind of ontology google ontology type of schema into the system and the system dynamically taking care building the digital twin and acting on it okay there's an awful lot of information there and a lot of different you spoke about different sensors um and you know there's obviously a, a big cost especially for people going out or companies going out and say on building new green buildings or the retrofitting and i guess with that they could be seen that there 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 is a big significant cost but also with that investment the, the results at the end of the day are going to be potentially vast because of let's say an energy saving and also in terms of the performance of the people who will essentially be, you know, in that building or, you know, their, their health in their, in their long run. So there's a, there's a big net benefit in the long run as well for that, for that initial investment. So I guess what I'm saying is why do people, customers need a system such as Waylay? That's my question to you, Arvinda. Great question. Um, so today uh, we have to see how the solutions are being built for building industry right uh, you know a lot of uh, smart people are working towards it a lot of companies are working towards uh, smart buildings uh, one of the problem is that they're moving so fast that they're not paying attention to uh, a platform that can reduce cost you can do things uh, very fast but you can also uh, incur cost very fast and how is that happening that's because Many of these systems are vertical, um, very siloed. Uh, say, for example, HVAC uh, functionality is given by one vendor, lighting functionality by another vendor, uh, fire and safety by another vendor, elevator system by another vendor. So all these different vertical systems are being built ground up from uh, devices, sensors to the uh, device management to data analytics to application and UI and all that stuff. And now when you actually try to integrate or orchestrate between different systems, there's a, a convoluted uh, integration and it's very expensive and time consuming as well. 
Uh, whereas on the other hand, uh, if you have a horizontal platform like an automation platform like Wele, then you can uh, just imagine that any kind of sensor you bring in or uh, energy meters or uh, elevator system, you can just hook into this horizontal platform, it'll work. The part that you need to build uh, additional uh, without building this vertical stack is the user experience because Wele will provide you everything underneath to hook into different systems, uh, including your data gathering and analytics and AI ML. Uh, we have that in the environment. The part that you need to focus is the user experience, which is the UI app that you will build on top of the Wele and let it take care of the rest, which is basically automation. Okay. And you know, interacting with devices and connectivity as well. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Aravinda, for, for joining me again for, for another uh, fascinating discussion. And I'm looking forward to, uh, to our next discussion because I'm sure there'll be another blog in the series of hyper-aware smart buildings. And uh, I just want to say thank you very, very much for joining us. And also for uh, anyone out there who's uh, listening, this podcast comes out um, every week. So, uh, you know, please drop us a message if you want to get in contact, contact with us. Um, there's contact buttons on, on the website. And also, please uh, give uh, Aravinda's blog a read. I mean, it's, it's a very, very good read. And um, it'll also help in terms of the, the contextuality for this, uh, this discussion that we've just had. So, Aravinda, thank you very much for uh, joining us today. Thanks for having me, Callum. Okay.